Welcome to a special edition of the Portically Yours podcast. I'm Yvonne Booz. For the past few years, this segment has showcased poems from Northern Illinois writers and a few from other states. Portically Yours has given you glances of the poets, but it doesn't allow you to hear the depth of these artists. This special segment does just that. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This month's Portically Yours features Utah poet Kelly Joy. Kelly goes by Phoenix Lily. During our conversation, she opens up about her relationship with anxiety and how poetry keeps her calm. She also shares how it feels to be married to a man who lives in another country. Take a listen. All right, Kelly. Thank you so much for being a part of the Poetically Yours podcast. Now, you're in Utah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. I'm in Ogden. I'm in Ogden. What is that close to? Um, It's about an hour-ish from Salt Lake City. And um, I kind of feel like everybody thinks of Salt Lake when they think of Utah. So I'm not in Salt Lake. I've only been there a few times, but eh, it's very very different than you would think you know I usually think you know everybody is and I don't want to do stereotypes but um based on those stereotypes that people have of Utah it's not like that everywhere in Salt Lake that's all I'm going to say because okay. I want to be a little bit I don't want to get into that really but um it's, it's pretty nice now how did you find out about Poetically Yours your way in Utah I'm in Illinois and I know the show caters to northern Illinois poets How did you get involved with Poetically Yours and find my email and get in contact with me? Okay. um, For me, some things are just a little bit rough. Um, I have a husband. He's over in Afghanistan. I have a lot of things going on and I just wanted to express myself and I wanted to uh, reach out and I don't want to sit in my room and just be depressed. And I thought, so I actually reached out to a bunch of people. I researched, I Google, I and sometimes people are like, Kelly, how did you find me? I'm, it's me. I'm Kelly. I find everybody. No, I'm kidding. But that's it. I just felt like I wanted to do something rather than be in that bed and being really upset because um, how should I put this? When you have somebody who's in a country like Afghanistan and you're worried and it's you can't take the time to be sad for very long. You know what I mean? Because it will, it will just take over. I'm not saying I don't have moments, but it just, it makes me more ambitious. It makes me push harder. And so I found you and I'm very grateful that you responded. You know, Um, I didn't get very many responses. I got one and then they just disappeared. And that's something I've learned about writing poetry and writing in general. People will show up and then disappear, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's what I did. I just messaged you and yeah, Um, it comes with my personality though, too. Um, can I share a story? Yes, of course. Okay, so um, this one happened recently. I'm at work, busting my butt, and I get off of work, only to find out that, oh, no, oh, no, where is my wallet? And my heart is just racing. I'm like, my keys are there. How did I get into my apartment? My wallet, my, my credit card, everything. Um, long story short, yeah, somebody took my money, and they wiped me down to zero down to zero I'm like they took everything while I was working and um I went to the bank of course and cleared it up because uh you gotta do, you gotta do it right away or you lose everything um and the next day I am just sitting there at the restaurant about an hour early before my shift and I want to cry I'm like you know I've been tested too much lately 
I've been tested way too much and I'm really sad. And this, I just felt overwhelmed. I'm sitting there. I'm like, what am I going to do? I've got like an hour and I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. So what I did is I sent some stuff to magazines. I sent my poetry, just the same thing that I just told you I did now when I felt my worst. Right. And so I, um, I got, I, I got a chance, you know, so I wrote my husband's and my story. So if I just sat there and just felt so sorry for myself, right. Just cause it's not good to lose all your money. And you, they say you're going to get it back. It's accredited to you, but there's always that part of you that's like, what if, what if, you know, and it's scary to lose that the finances. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just, I wrote in and I got uh, a chance to write our story, which I will share with you in an email once it's out. But like right now it's, it's out next Wednesday. Oh, that's um, exciting. I don't know if I could say it on the air, not the air, but in this podcast, can I, or no? Well, by the time, uh, if you're dealing with like time restrictions, this will not probably air for another couple of months. So if it's something that would have happened by then, then, but if it's something that you don't feel comfortable with, you don't have to share. You can share no, later. Sh- yeah. It's, it's, um, uh, Utah Voyager magazine. And so I shared about my husband, how we met and everything because, and then how we stay positive. I, I know that maybe it's hard to stay positive right now sometimes because the finances are really hard. I just went to Pakistan. I think I told you already that I flew to Pakistan. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. And that is, that's quite the trip. Yeah. And we're so, going to talk about that. We're going to get into uh, that. But yeah. first I want to learn about your writing. When I got the poems that you sent, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is amazing. And I shared it with a couple of people at the station and I, I know I shared it with the intern that I recently had and he was over, he was just blown away by your work. When did you start writing Kelly? Around 12 around. I say that because when you've gone through trauma, sometimes you don't remember, it's weird, um, ages or time frames. I can't, around 12, I was in middle school. And what happened, I remember one specific moment. Um, I was sharing my poem with a teacher. And, and I remember giving it to him and saying, here, I have a poem, you know, here, here. And it was quiet. It was quiet. And all my anxiety, oh, no, I'm thinking he doesn't like it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't think of one positive thing. My 12-year-old brain, and I looked at him and looked at him, and I said, well, I hope to be a poet one day. And he said, you already are. That, that was like a turning point to keep going. Um, second of all is I had so much stolen from me as a kid. So much stolen. I'm not talking about just like the innocence and sweetness of childhood or any of that. I'm not talking. I'm talking about legitimate stuff. Like I'd come home, my mom's throwing stuff out. You know, I'd come home and like a certain collection I had would be gone. I'd come home and clothes were gone that I liked. So there was no stability as far as material things. But the one thing I learned is can't take away my writing. So y'all can just do what you want to me. You cannot take away. And I've had a lot happen. And I'm not the best, I guess, at expressing it out loud in the moment. But when I'm sitting down and I'm writing, I'm in a headspace where I feel safe. Um, 
Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of it comes from, yeah, that safe headspace. And also I don't want people to feel alone. I don't want to feel alone. It's just, it's, it just flows like water. I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes I can write a poem like in two minutes, it just comes out just like that. I think some of the poems I've sent you, which are lengthy, have taken like less than five. And sometimes, you know, they can take a week, right? So it's just, I think it's just that, I don't know what the word would be, but it's like, um, it's, I wished I could, could explain it. I don't know. It's, it's almost like everything from my childhood and everything from my life, it just pours. Yeah. It just like, pours out. Yeah. I just like a water flow. I get it. I, you know, as a point, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And, and I, for me, I'm like, where did it come from? Where'd these lines come from? Where'd that idea come from? But I have to get it out now. Um, can you tell me, um, how has writing helped you deal with some of the things that you go through? Control. Um, I have some control when I'm writing. It's like, I'm turning something that is really ugly. And, um, into something that is beautiful. It's beautiful words. It's taking something that's absolutely tarnished and, and destructive. And anxiety is like, if, you know those houses you go into and they the mirrors and everything is all like wavy, right? They're all wavy. And it's just, it's not reality, but we're convinced in our brain that that's real. But poetry, it's like when I'm writing, it's, it's like soft. It turns everything just into something beautiful. It turns something that's absolutely horrific and noisy and it's just calm is calming. Um, and sometimes I don't know if that's making a whole lot of sense, but yeah, it's just, it makes my anxiety bearable. I don't do any medication. <laughs> I don't do any therapy. I, anything, and I'm not anti-therapy. I just know my own self. So poetry is my therapy. Um, ambition is my therapy. Um, I am ambitious seven days a week. I reach out. I do something seven days a week and I've been told to back down, but unfortunately it's moment, my momentum. See, if you have a roller coaster, it's the speed. It's that constant, you know, that keeps a person on the tracks. And what I'm saying is poetry keeps me on the tracks, um, connecting with people and trying to push myself because I believe, you know, finally, maybe the door's opening and I can get somewhere. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I might just cry, but I won't. I just, because four years ago was absolute. I was just a mangled bird in a cage with no song, just in there squawking away. And now I'm not afraid of my voice. Mm. Now let's talk about, go ahead, keep going. That's it. I'm just, I'm not afraid of my voice anymore. Let's um, talk about the, that. Let's talk for, about being afraid of your own voice. I've never thought about that. Tell me, how does that feel? Like, uh, like it's not going to be validated. Like it's not enough. Like I have to somehow explain what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And when I was, I don't want to give names or too much of the circumstance, but being in a toxic, toxic home for 14 years. And the fact that, you know, moving forward is good. But then, then it's like, I, Here's something I'll say in case somebody else has heard this. One thing that was said to me, once somebody gets to know you, Kelly, they won't love you. And I'm thinking, okay, fine. So what? So what? If somebody gets to know, gets to know me and they don't like me, who cares? 
so that's just something but, but when it was said then it just I'm like oh my gosh and they have you ever heard of mirroring so you get somebody who is narcissistic and they hear about your trauma they listen so well so they can mirror the behavior and gaslight you so I grew up with that phrase and then they used it on me and one one of the last things that's what they said once somebody gets to know you they won't love you and then as I got wiser I guess in some ways I'm wise some ways maybe I need to learn but okay okay <laughs> somebody gets to know me and they don't like me okay fine go bye now, when you say they, are you talking about family members or a romantic partner? Who are you referring my, my, to? It's my, um, my ex-husband. Okay. All right. And so that's something my mother said, too. She would, whenever I made a mistake, she would say, like, um, they're listening to Ke you, Kelly. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you did that. They're still talking about it, Kelly. And, you know, if they only really knew you, she used to threaten to record my voice. Like, really weird stuff. And so sometimes I just... I guess I want also people to know that they're, they are not alone. That, um, for every person that doesn't listen, there's going to be somebody who does. I sort of explain it as, you know, imagine using a form of torment where you turn the lights on and off. I think I, I think I explained that. So imagine that's what they do. Not like, and not for real, but, you know, um, theoretically speaking here. So they turn the lights on and off over and over again. And it will, you don't know the light from the dark. You don't know your environment and then you go out in public with this person they just got to look at you and flick the switch and then who looks crazy and that's what they do and um for every person that doesn't believe there's going to be somebody out there never never give up hope because people like me exist and we've been through it and um what they're doing is they are gaslighting and that is a lot of those experiences from childhood to that situation is why I'm proud of myself that um, I'm pushing so hard. I, I, I maybe I have rambled. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, you are fine. So I'm gonna take a moment because I want you to um, share some of your poetry before we talk about your husband, who is far, far away from you. And I may have you do a couple of pieces. I'm gonna read a recent one, and it's actually because I'm actually writing a book. And the reason I'm writing a book is. Um, to help fundraise our situation. Because right now, financially, it is difficult. And it is sad when you fall in love with somebody and they are so far and they are not just far. You can't just get on the plane and see them. And bringing somebody to the United States is a difficult process, right? And so I've decided to write a book and see if I can sort of figure out a way to get some amount of money or and also some recognition from the book as well. But it's also good for us in this situation too, right? Something, something to hold on to, some hope. So I'm going to read. Um, it's very simple. It's a short poem, but whenever I want to be calm, I think of this. So I'll read it, all right? I remember everything. I remember my husband feeding me with his hands, chanda masala. The taste hits every memory, not just my tongue. From my soul to my amygdala sea on the green couch as the liquid drips down my shirt and he smiles, a small gesture of love and intimacy, calming me when I'm missing him. It's just, it's just a simple moment. We were sharing food and, and I am, <laughs> and trying to eat the way it's different. You know, they fold their bread and all of this. And I'm like, ah, so he's like, I'll feed you. So he did. <laughs> and it might be silly to some people, but it was really sweet. 
and um, food's dripping down. I remember food dripping on the floor and I jumped because I, that's something I would have problems with before with other individuals. And he's like, he would get down and clean it instead and just smile. So it's just a moment to realize that I have a really good person on my side. And now I'm going to read um, Broken English. I think I sent that to you. I'm not sure. Um, I love how you write English in your own way. The words you choose specifically for every conversation. I, I feel I'm inside your mind and your process. I feel amazed how you make a language that was once like a stranger. This beautiful expression of your feelings. You say you're not good at English. You apologize when you can't think of the word. But to me, you are my husband who always tries to understand me in my language, the way I speak and need to be heard. In my reality, in my place, at my pace, with all my broken pieces and fears, and you with your love and broken English reaching out to me. And together, we understand each other. I love the way you speak to me. And so that's broken English. I could read one that's um, last one on this page. Go ahead. That's okay. We have some time. Mm -hmm. Um, love isn't a battle for your soul. Now, this is sort of talking in the past. And I, why do I explain? Love isn't a battle for your soul. Oh, dear. One day you will not be so weary explaining yourself. One day, love will be the dreams you had before life jaded you. He's crawling through war and noise and hasn't lost his humanity. He will heal you. And you, dear, will save him. It's just very simple. All right. So let's talk about your, your now husband. Um, I know you're married before. How long have you been married to your second husband? Um, actually we just experienced a year, April 27th. Now, how did you meet him? Um, well messenger. (laughs) So I was just like sitting down in Oregon, just, I wasn't actually feeling great. I was just having one of those days where I just wanted to avoid everybody and just and all of a sudden I get ping. I'm like, okay. It's a, and it was a guy. And I'm like, ah, ugh. they are just that disrespect as a woman that, that we get, you know what I mean? You know, I'm talking about that. Oh gosh. He just wants a picture. Some guy wants a picture or they want, you know, I don't know. They're going to show something. I don't want to see like what, it, you know, what's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's just a high. It was a good high. And I, and I stayed, you know, and we just, we started just he accidentally sent me a message message. It was actually meant for somebody else. And then I sent these voice clips saying, Oh, it's okay. And I rambled. I used to talk so fast. And I sent him so many clips and not realizing, you know, now English is not his first language, but he stayed, he stayed and he listened to every single one and responded to every single one. And I'm like, wow, that's a saint. And so um, he just, and so we just had regular conversations, you know, what am I doing? Well, I'm doing caregiving. He's in Afghanistan, you know, and then he, then we just started to joke and just, it just gone into some silly stuff, you know, um, and everything felt light and I can't explain it just light. And I didn't want him to go. It was just the strangest, most phenomenal, surreal experience. I was like, okay, he's got to come back. I, it's not like I've never spoke to other people, but this felt different. So I'm like, he said, he's going to message me tomorrow, but he had to go. Um, and he said, Make sure that you sleep calm in my heart. Just like, that's like, it was the sweetest, most simple thing. And of course he came back the next day, next day, next day. And we just chatted and chatted and he's consistent as heck. That's it. Um, and I felt myself falling in love with him, but also consistency. You know, if you're on the phone with a, with somebody that you, you feel something for, 
you don't want them to just leave, right? And then, you know, that that drop, he never once dropped. He would always say, hey, I'm sorry. I want to let you know, I've got about five minutes. I'm, I'm here, okay? And, and that consistency that, you know, made me really care. And also um, the fact that he didn't talk a lot about just himself. You know, talking about his country and the people and what he worries about. His family, um, the children, and everything around him. So somebody can keep their humanity. So I fell in love with his humanity, his consistency, and of course, love. Love just sort of all just wrapped it up. But yeah, and then I asked him to marry me. That's where it gets crazy. <laughs> that laugh is horrible. I hate that laugh because it's like, it's good but bad. It, it's like, I don't know, peewee. Did my eyes get really big when you said that? That's yes. I, I know that happens, but I don't hear. But that yeah, time. it just. I guess I didn't see him as a boyfriend. I didn't want a boyfriend. I wanted something that was stable. I wanted, and I didn't see him as you know dating. I didn't see him as somebody that I could just get over. I felt like, and we didn't know much. We literally didn't know a lot about our personalities, our daily lives. That. Was like a, we met uh, twenty twenty one um, on April twenty fifth, and that was sometime in May ish. Because I'm not great with time frames, but wow! And then I asked him to marry me, and can you imagine how much or how little we knew? We just I I just knew something clicked, and so I asked him to marry me, and then it got silent for like a little bit, and I said, "Oh, I stop." This is like I found a really good guy that's really sweet. And what if I am missing the signs? Because it's possible to miss the signs. And then I thought, oh, I have somebody who cares about me. But yeah, he accepted, and here we are. But at that moment, can you imagine? Like, I did it. I I'm like, you know, um, I want to be with you here. I want to be together. Will you marry me? I don't, I don't remember my exact words, which is crazy. I don't. I just know that I don't know. It is a, it's strange, but if anybody goes back to my life, dude, I, my, I'm not typical in anything. I'm not saying me that I'm extraordinary. I'm saying my life, the way that I've experienced life itself, that moment makes more, more sense than it sounds. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense than it sounds. So you asked, <clears throat> asked him to marry you. Yeah. How, how did you guys, did he come here? Did you go there? How did that happen? I went to Pakistan um, recently. Um, you, it, you can imagine how scared people who care about me were and how more afraid they are that I'm not afraid. I don't have, I sort of have this like, what's for me will be mine and everything will be okay. I just, I have a sort of that personality and that's, that scared a few people. They're like, oh my gosh, Kelly. So are you prepared? Like, you don't seem prepared. I am. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I went from Salt Lake City. On, then I went from there to Seattle, from Seattle to Qatar, from Qatar to Islamabad and to be with my husband. And because, you know, we have engaged a lot over, you know, two years, pretty much. Um, yeah, I felt, I felt like I had enough. I had to because um, we can't be together if we don't meet. But we also can't stand being apart like this. Um, video chat, it's nice. But human connection, physical connection with your husband is very necessary. You know, and so, like I said, I made that trip. And um, wow, I can't, 
I cried on the plane a little bit as I was like in Islamabad. I'm like, I'm here. Wow. <laughs> I'm here. And um, then, of course, I got through security, did all of that. And then him and I trying to connect with each other. And finally, when I got to the bottom, the crowd was so huge. There were so many people waiting for their people to. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, how am I going to find him? And, just, you know, and the phone was having issues. I'm like, he noticed me. And I looked at him and I started to walk off like I didn't know him as a joke. I'm such an sorry. I am. And we both are. We will roast each other. We literally have that type of uh, marriage. Like we're so secure in how we feel that we could just say anything. And so no, we just, and then we grabbed each other's hands. I can't explain how that felt. And I, I don't think there's a poem I can express yet for that because how can I? It just home. It felt like home. And in that moment, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking that leaving was happening. You know, you don't think of those moments. And then we, when we got into the cab and my elbows are linked to his, I thought it was forever, even though I knew I only had so much time. Now, leaving was the most painful. It was very painful because, you know, we can't, we didn't cause like a big scene and everything because it is Pakistan. And I don't, I'm not meaning it negatively. It's culturally, it's like um, some places like Japan or whatnot, the, the public displays of affection, it's different. So we just kept it very simple. And back at the hotel, we already cried. And so he said, Can, when you walk off, please don't go back. Cause he already cried at the hotel. I already cried. So looking at him and holding his hand, but just not having, you know, the kiss and the embrace that I so much wanted walking off. They, they killed me. And I've, I haven't fully came back to the United States. I haven't, and I'm not okay. hundred percent. And I feel that some people who weren't with me don't understand the pain I'm in. And it's like, most people are just so happy that I came back. That's it. And I get it. But I'm not quite here yet. I'm still one day after. I'm still one day after. You know, it's been like, what, a month now? Because it's like, yeah, we are, it's been a month since I linked arms. And uh, I'm sorry, but it's, it feels like I just got back. I haven't processed everything. I'm not okay. When I say I'm not okay, it doesn't mean like, okay, in a sense, I can't do things or that I'm just stuck. Right, right? No, it just means it's difficult. And so that's why I'm writing a book too. Um, and so being together, it's, it is difficult when it's, it kind of sucks because you fall in love and then you have a bigger financial responsibility when they are that far. And, and then um, people don't understand the weight of it. It's not, the, it's not anybody's fault though, because I'm in a different circumstance than a lot of people, but it does get incredibly lonely. Um, <laughs> incredibly lonely um i can't explain other than it's just it's despair because i love my husband and i can't be with him and um, nobody can relate on that level so i try my best to relate on some level through and I, that's why i'm ambitious too um, i have a husband in afghanistan who needs me also to be strong you know um i could i don't want to take too much of your time but i just want to say when the taliban took over and I want to share that. When the Taliban took over, I thought it was, I thought, how are we going to meet? Is he going to live? And I didn't have, I didn't have a community support then or any, I just, I was crashing every day. I think I spent like one day, like 14 hours researching something to try to help us. Oof. I remember being on autopilot. I remember like just, 
crying a lot. And people like, Kelly, you're crying again today? Yes, I'm crying again today. Um, so when they took over, it felt hopeless. And my husband felt hopeless. But I couldn't tell him I felt hopeless because I got to light that candle for him because he's there. It, it was probably one of the most scary circumstances. So going to Pakistan, yeah, I know it's Pakistan. I knew it. But I'm like, you know what? If I'm given the chance. Especially, you know, after that, not everybody survives. You know, there's starvation. There's, most people know, um, because the television and, you know, news, and sorry, our news feed and whatnot, what it's like over there. On some yeah. level, we know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, with gratitude, I'm like, I got to go see my husband. I'm, and there are people who are like, no, you're not, Kelly. I'm like, yes, I'm going. I'm going to go see my husband. Was this your first time seeing him? I'm, I'm still yeah. trying to understand. Okay. Yes. Yes. So we got married online through Utah. It's um, on Provo, Utah. So it's actually legitimate. Um, we made sure you can get married online here, but we decided we're going to go through um, the court here. Or, um, I'm sorry, not the court. Uh, you know, when your brain is deciding to like, not think of the word, this, the person who does the weddings, you know, it's like legit, you know, Weber County, not Weber County. That's the county here. But over in Provo, we went through, an actual department so for the state versus like somebody who's running it because we're like this needs to be legitimate so we actually legitimate legitimately got married we have a certificate and the next step is you know you meet each other or as i say consummate you you freaks <laughs> sorry but yeah that's terrible but yeah um so that's how we did it and we i tried to find because it is not the safest decision it was not, my husband didn't want me to just go there. That's what took a while. We're like, okay, how can we work the process without me going across seas? How can we do this? And nobody's touching us. They're like, oh, you got to meet. And my husband is like, just scared for me. He's like, I don't want you to, I don't want anything to happen to you. I want to be together, but I don't want anything to happen to you. But after a while, we just knocking on so many doors and um, I went through a charity and they're like, uh, we can't. Another one, uh, we can't. They do have these pro bono type of charities, but we didn't meet. And so we're like, you know, we're going to do this. You know, when you believe in soulmates or you believe in like these connections, then you're like, you start to have a point where you're like, I'm jumping. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so I just went to Pakistan, which, you know, um, I have to say on the side, it gets some respect from people because I'm like, I will kick your, no, I'm just joking. But seriously, seriously, um, I just wanted to be with my husband and I knew that's the person I, I love. And it seems crazy because it's like, well, y'all never met in person. What is wrong with you? Yeah. But, um, I also had my ex-husband in, in person and that was, not he hurt me. He did all sorts of terrible, terrible stuff. My husband, my ex-husband did stuff to me that just damaged me. And in the past two years, he's been consistent and sweet. He's reached out to my family he's been a good person so why not why not just go this is my husband I made vows right and I, I take for better or for worse 100% seriously I I it why why marry somebody in Afghanistan if you're not going to be there truly in every way I knew what I got into didn't I when I said I do when I asked him to marry me I made a choice I was going to seal that choice. 
we make choices. And if we know ahead of time what we're, what we're getting into, what we chose, then it's our responsibility to the person that we love to fulfill those choices. And that's why I tried to explain to some people. I'm like, I made a vow, right? I said, I do. And I'm not going to compare him to the previous situation because at some point you just need to accept a person as them without comparison. I think that's the thing I'm learning. It's like, Asif is Asif. That's who he is. He is not to live up or to be compared to or to be a hero. He is his own person. I think sometimes when we have had bad experiences, we want to take somebody and mold them into something and be like, okay, um, this person here is going to be better than this person in this circumstance. Oh my gosh, look how much. No, they came into, he came into my life as him. He didn't come knowing all this other stuff. He just came to love me, right? So in that moment, I got to see my husband. That's it. No explain. Now say because his I name th- again. Because I, I know you Asif. said it. Asif. How do you spell yes. that? A-S-I-F. Okay, that's cool. Now yeah. I wanna I wanna I wanna hear some more poetry. I know that you sent okay. me a few. Um, I need to go into my notes. Let me go. I actually have a page. Okay. I have a Facebook page for it too. And right now I don't I need I I can go into my well, notes. Take your me, time. Okay, you won't see me a second. Can you see me? See, I don't know how this thing works. I'm no. in my notes right now. <laughs> uh, how about you I don't go know how one works? No, <laughs> I told you my husband is great at technology and mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure when we're together more often, he's going to be like rolling his eyes. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but you it's know, like, oh, well, I'm since just... he's good at technology, you have to let him do everything. Oh, I don't mind that. Go ahead, do it. <laughs> do it. Do it all. Mm-hmm. You, I know you enjoy it. Do it. <laughs> but he's really nice to me about it, though. Like, he's not like impatient, which is nice because sometimes when you know something, you sort of feel like everybody else should know that too. Mm-hmm. I think we do that. I think we really do, all of us. I think it's in our nature. So at least I feel that it is. Um, how do you think his personality, being calming and you feel safe, how does that help you with, with how does that help you stay calm? Because Well, because I, um, his personality, when he is calm, it makes me feel safe. How, how does he make me feel calm with his personality? Because... Mm-hmm. Um, if he could be calm in Afghanistan and everything going on, and I'm not doing that to like, and also because if he could be calm, so can I. And that means that he feels safe with us too. It means, you know what I mean? And that means I feel like his calmness with me means he loves me. If that makes any, if that makes sense, how I'm wording that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel loved. His calmness makes me feel loved. Mm-hmm. I feel like that he believes in us enough to be calm around me. He believes in us, you know. That even when everything is going to, because um, he's told me many times that I've saved him. We we save each other. It's like he saves me from this war within myself, and he gets me out of my shell as an introvert, you know, who just wants to stick to myself, to somebody who's not afraid to go out there and just be more than just the person who writes, but to be the person who can talk to people. You know, um, I might have rambled a little bit, and I feel like you know when you watch um what do you call those, uh, those movie stars and they're getting interviewed and they ask you, how was your day today? I really like potato chips. What does that have to do with anything? Right. It's like, we, and then we think I would always interview better. And this is me. I feel like you're, you're, you're saying like, um, how was your day? And I'm like, I like 
ice cream, but I hope I make more sense. No, you are fine. Just let me know when you're ready um, to go ahead with the next poem. I'm going to read this one here. This is the one I just sent. She's this quiet, challenging storm about to break every hinge, holding herself together. She's the pictures in the attic. There's a poet in there, even at four, before feelings made any sense. Every birthday party that wasn't hers, everyone who looked over her little piggy-tailed head until she looked away, escaping, hoping something would be important enough. It never was. She got lost in paper-bound fairy tales and pretending cheese, crackers, and pickles, and the kind of music you hear in your head, but it's noise, pots, and pans, or drums. She doesn't need a damn thing. She's four. There's this little feisty poet with her compact feelings stuffed tightly in the suitcase with the shoes that she can't fit into yet, and the plain brown shoes that make her feel like a grown-up. This girl is watching everyone, and no, she's not daydreaming. She's thinking about the universe, her purpose, and how the hell to save the little creatures. And maybe one day she can be good enough for a conversation. She falls asleep with the small stuffed creature, fuzzy and warm, nothing but comfort. She's a kid, not a philosopher. But to be honest, this isn't a kid. Awkward and charismatic and never in sync for long. A fire shooting in all directions. And a map to everything she's going to be when being older makes more sense. She's going to rise from the ashes over and over again until it doesn't matter if it's fire or a cool scare. She'll shut the doors, forget the picture. She's 44 and she needs you. Not because she can't stand on her own, but because you are her heart piece, her soul's language, the one she's waited to understand her. And that one's um, done. And I'm going to try to read something that's... In, Hold on, I'm writing a word in there. When I'm searching my notes, I I, I go by a specific word. Mm -hmm. And so um, this one here is pretty deep. Um, okay, let me, I'm going to it. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Like, hold on, Kelly. Okay, here's one. This is really intense. And um, I don't know. And let me know if this is too much. Now, this is another poem that you're about to read. Yeah. Okay. Before is... we go with that one, I want to take a moment to talk about the one you just read. Who is that yeah. little girl, Kelly? Me. Me. I always felt deeper and um, I felt deeper in life. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, like um, having a toxic mother, be, getting in the middle of her relationships, my mom and my dad fighting, my mom put me in the middle because my dad would never hit me. So my mom would literally um, have me protect her. So it's like, I sort of had to grow up fast. And then um, that makes you strange as a kid. It makes you anxious and nervous. And so certain people around me, like they didn't know how to relate to me. Um, because and when I would get like hyper and just really be a kid, they're like, I can't handle this, Kelly, you're too much. And so there was always this, I want to be a kid. But then I would get told to grow, grow up sometimes because I think people didn't know how to handle me from being in that environment. There was nobody could figure out what to do, how, how to. And I felt misunderstood most of the time. Um, but I would lay in the bed and think about what am I going to do with my life on this deep level? And I remember being seven years old, staying awake and thinking about these things. How far does the universe go and what's my purpose? And, and, and what, sh and, and like, um, and I would save little creatures like, 
and I'll read a poem about that actually. Instead of this one, I want to go into a different one. Okay, um, go ahead. When I, yeah, and this poem will explain it. When I was a little girl, I would literally just pick up the tiniest insect and carry it to school because I saw us as the same. I saw us as the same. Um, and I think a lot of that had, has to do when you're traumatized, you start to nurture. And so, um, but I never was a child, you know, not in the real sense. And, um, and being misunderstood and finding somebody who understands you, that's good. That's, and especially, you know, uh, he does speak English very well, but there's still always could be a slight language barrier, but he takes the time to understand me. And that's why I wrote broken English for that, for that very reason that he understands me and tries to understand me better than some people who've known me for so long, not to say I don't have friends or anything, but the way that he understands me is phenomenal. So I'm going to read um, this one. It's this here. I carried the smallest creature on my way to school. And I remember feeling like I can't abandon it like it needed me. I'm not sure how I thought it understood me, but I knew I was bringing it to school to a safe place. I remember this was silly to everyone, but I'm lost in my own world because to me, we were the same size. And then there was this young girl. I carried her photo with me, haunting eyes that I felt pry open, my own fears ache. She lost her dad in war. She already had nothing. So I asked others to please pray for her, but it was the same book, like the children's faces when I brought an insect to school. I see with my eyes, we are the same. I placed each piece together, interlocking the images to create one image, no borders, no corners, no sides. I was told I can't just place pictures together without borders. I saw it wasn't necessary. At five, I was creating my mantra. That girl was my neighbor. The photo on my purse was as close as the bombs and bloodshed that I wanted people to pray for. There are no borders that separate pain, just hearts that shut off other humans. I carried an insect to school. I saved worms. I was told, don't worry. I'm not the one who should worry. It's the world that's lost in a jigsaw puzzle, trapped in the noises and distractions while our neighbors are crying. So see, that's always been how it is. Like it would just be tiny creatures, a child, just a picture, a book in the store where I see somebody looking like sad, just any little thing. You know what I mean? So it's always been like this. Okay. Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm going to read the deep one afterwards because I think it's going to tie everything together yeah and then after that we'll talk about your podcast okay so here we go da, 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 da. going into notes this one is very very um blood doesn't smell like sugar and yet the sweet sticky liquid drops like honey right in front of us until we see it a simple syrup not life I'm not desensitized I see blood I see lives but we can swipe our screens and see funny reels as we order from Panda Express instead of last night's food. And we can play music to soothe our frazzled nerves from our bad day. And we can sleep calm from surrounding death. No one is okay, but we say war is none of our business. We create a division of continents, but people are people. We have to care for our own, right? You mean the homeless that we mock and hide our faces from? Blood, it doesn't sparkle. It's draining life, like watching the last breath of sunset, but there is no morning. I'm tired of believing we care when we don't, when you look for heroes to save the world because we hate inconvenience. I'm sick 
of feeling everything and looking at humanity worship money and beautiful things. We love plastic faces, billions of dollars, but feed on cheap words. We look at people starving and are happy it's not us. Then we buy overpriced coffee or discuss who's prettier, who makes more money. And we got to take care of this country. Mm -hmm. The one where clothes fill up the landfills and we pay for fashion. We won't eat at home because we claim we have nothing to eat. So because we're weak and lazy, we should not give a darn, I guess. And our blood only bothers us when it's our own. And we don't care if we can't cross the street and see terror. Then again, we don't give, it's a word, about anything. I'm tired. I see the sun is fading, but as long as we are still entertained, it's okay. Where's the humanity? It's in the 1% who smell the blood we ignore and who would be the first to see the sun gone. I'm sorry, that's that's really intense. I'm sorry. What prompted you to write that poem? Seeing pain. Um, just seeing like a lot of the superficial stuff. I also work at a restaurant and I see people wasting food. I see a lot of waste. And I, and I, and I buy things, you know, energy drinks, you know, things are like kind of expensive, um, expensive. I not like expensive, like in a real sense, but you know, when we can obviously find cheaper ways, obviously I do those things too. So it's never, it's not a um, lecture. It's just saying that we have everything, but we're not satisfied. And then it's just this whole frustration um, of when money and beauty and a certain type of beauty becomes more important than anything else and being entertained. And sometimes I feel just like when I was writing that, I was just very frustrated, you know, because I've always just, like I said, I'm saving the little creatures. I was that type of person. And I know there are people out there who make a difference. And I just, I just always sometimes, I sometimes feel um, that it's like the world is on fire. And everybody is going back into the house to get the family jewels because, you know, it just feels that way to me. And, um, family's not, I just, I just, I see like people worshiping, like, and I'm not talking about religiously, just worshiping money, worshiping things, not losing the connection. Like I said, we can swipe and watch these reels. I'm not saying I don't do that. And never am I saying not to have fun. Because I have my share of it too, even with everything happening. But sometimes I don't know, just feel like the world is lost. Mm, I feel yeah. like we're striving, striving for happiness. And you know what happiness is? It's in giving. Um, when I had a conversation with my husband this morning, and I said, you know what? You're going to get here. And when you're here, we are going to help people just like us because right now I feel isolated. We are in a situation that's different than most people. And I said, we're going to help other people. Are there couples? There could be somebody in another country and they're trying to get together. Maybe there's someone right now as I'm talking, maybe maybe their husband's in Afghanistan or their wife is there and they feel hopeless and they want to want to know they're not alone. And maybe I can, maybe we can help because what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose? Is it all these things? And I'm not saying that a person shouldn't better their books or none of that's bad in of itself. But it, when it becomes a priority, when we just... We're losing our humanity. The world is on fire and we're, we're worshiping things. We're, we're worshiping things. Um, we're losing our connection. And um, I went to Pakistan and the people there, um, it's very simple. They don't have everything. And one person said, if I have money, I'm happy. If I don't have money, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's it. I like that. I, I like that. Um, 
Now, I want to talk about the podcast that you have. I know when you first sent me some poetry, you um, directed me to your podcast. Why did you start that? Well, actually, I have another one, but it is so, I'm being so picky about it because I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. And then I want to send you my older ones, if you don't mind me sending those. Now I'm trying to think. Um, I go by Phoenix Lily and I, I want to send those. But why I started it to bring awareness to my husband and I, you know, I actually do have a podcast, you know, when um, the Taliban took over, I have a podcast from that day and um, I haven't listened to that in a while. I don't how think can, I can. How can people find that and listen to it? Um, I can, I'll send you the link um, and then I'll go through and see the ones I want to keep up and there was one when my husband was missing for hours and all my fears. I went through that day. I, I got one where um, when we're being, how we still want to make sure we look good and we just want to put on this face, but we don't owe that to anybody. We, I don't know. I've done a bunch of them. Um, okay. So like, um, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send, uh, what I'm going to do is send the podcast to you as it is. This is an older one and I don't have, I'm not using the iPad anymore. And then I have a newer one. And I'm going to go through those and you'll see, but the one where, you know, the Taliban took over, I think I haven't listened to that one, but I think that's important, right. For people to find that and to know how painful it was. I was reaching out to people at the time to be aware of the situation. And, um, but um, yeah. All right. Now I want to um, ask you another question. What would your advice be for those who deal with some of the things that you deal with, like anxiety, to help them get through? The thing is to do what's right for you. Um, I personally don't do therapy, but I would never tell somebody not to. But if that doesn't work for you, that's okay too. But by all means, be well, be well. Um, for me, it's being ambition works. And that's okay. Don't let anybody pressure you to seek out, you know, this source. If you know that that's not mentally sound for you, then um, by all means, but take care of you. Um, for me, like I said, uh, if I'm feeling anxious, then I get ambitious. And like I said, you know, that day where I was dropped to zero. So I sent poetry to a magazine that day, those days when I feel really stressed, I, I reach out in that way. I'm still reaching out, but find a way to reach out. I guess that's it. I may not be reaching out in the traditional sense, but find a way to reach out in the way that helps you. That would be my advice. You have anxiety, um, basically do what works. As long as you're not hurting anybody, it's, and don't let anybody like tell you how to. There's not one person who can tell you how to deal with your anxiety completely. You can get advice, that's fine. But um, you have to do it in your own way. Now, That's what that, it, I don't that, go ahead. I hope that makes sense. Um, I say that a lot. I hope that makes sense because I'm not writing. I'm talking. Ah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. You're fine. What is what is the ultimate goal for you and your husband? Is it for him to come stay here? Yeah, it is. It's for him to come and stay here. It's for us to be together and just enjoy normal marriage stuff that's it you know and me um i want him to fulfill his dreams i will not take less from him than for him to do whatever it takes to make him happy obviously you know um i'm happy to have him with me i'm happy to be the love of his life i feel great and, and vice versa but i do want him because 
the chances over there is very tiny, but I don't want him to lose his chances and think that because, okay, he's here with me that he can't fulfill a dream. Um, I want him to, I want to be together and have a regular marriage. I also want him to take care of his life in the way that he's, he's dreamt since he's been a kid, whatever that is. Even if, if it changes, that's okay. Just be happy. And for us to, you know, have our jobs, come home to each other, you know, spray each other with water. So the story. Okay. So I just got done taking a shower and I was coming out and getting dry. And I was just, you know, you just want to be dry from, he took the hose. <laughs> he took the shower hose and just squirted me right there in the hotel room. I'm like, oh my gosh. You mean you're not even like, he wasn't worried about, you know, oh my gosh. We're just making the hotel so messy. We're going to, he just in the moment. And it was just like, oh my goodness. And I wasn't mad, even though I, he just got me soaked. I guess it was just a moment to see his personality that the person that had been absolutely funny and in the moment, who really honestly isn't somebody that I have to worry about getting irritated with me, is very much real, you know? And so if I wanted to just dump water on him, that's who we are. I am a spontaneous person and my husband in that moment, just taking the shower hose and just like squirting me. He's like, ah! I'm like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. I'm like, really? He just, he really took it. It's like, it's nice. I'm probably, I'm getting him back. I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to dump oil on his head. I don't know. I, I be would, careful with I would, it. I would. <laughs> that I could would be dangerous. That. I would do it though. Like, but I know he's safe. That's, that's the thing. I know he's safe. I'm not saying like, now some people, their marriages, you know, they may not do those things with each other. You know, it doesn't mean you're not safe, but I'm saying for me and my own comfort and how I feel. And it's good that we match in that way because that's how I feel safe. So yeah, I like put peanut butter in his hair while he's sleeping. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my like, goodness. Cut up. You know no, they... no, no, no. Cut up, cut up his shirt. So his nipples show when he walks out. Like I saw you that know. once and I, <laughs> they had those youtube or i don't know if it's youtube or facebook with it some or instagram it was some videos where the couples played pranks on each other it sounds like that's the road you guys are, are headed yeah, towards that, that's that's us we are just and we have roasted each other and the thing is you know you you know your love is so deep and pure you don't even you know we don't mean it on a deep and personal level but we never like when we roast each other we will never cut will never say something that is so horrific. Like he would never take something from my childhood and, and just use that in a roast. It's just very light. You know, I saw one roast that made me laugh. This guy and his wife, they roast each other. And he's like, you know, Arabs have like the greatest mustaches or beards. He said this to his wife and she looks at him. He goes, how does it make you feel? He said, that felt so good. <laughs> and like, that's something my husband would say to me. Oh, He'd wow. be like, and it's, and, and I'm not, I guess he doesn't get offended easily, and neither do I. We just don't have, I think it's, he's gone through so much, and I've gone through so much, where the little things were just like, whatever. It just slides off a duck's back. I think that's how you say it, is it sliding off a duck's back. Never heard that phrase before. I'm, I'm probably I'm going to take wrong. your word for it. I'm going to look it up. Sliding off a duck's what? back. I, no, I get no, what no. you're saying, though. No, I do it's understand. It's like water off a duck's back. It's like water off a duck's back. I okay. said it wrong. I'm bad with my phrases. Ay, ay, ay.
<laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today um, and continue to share your lovely poetry. Thank you. You have a good evening, Kelly. And we'll best do that. wishes for you and your husband. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, but we'll make it. All right. You have to keep me updated. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a wonderful poetic conversation. You can hear more from Kelly by listening to her podcast. Listen to Poetically Yours every Friday at 12.31 p.m. and 6.18 p.m. on 89.5 WNIJ or at 3.59 p.m. on 90.5 WNIU. Listen anytime at WNIJ.org. Special thanks to the Nick Monty Trio Band for their melodic tunes. For Poetically Yours, I'm Yvonne Booth.